Welcome to Demystification, a bi-weekly podcast produced by the NC State Graduate School that looks to pull back the curtain on graduate education at both NC State and beyond. Join me, Peter Harries, Dean of the Graduate School, as I talk with current graduate students, faculty, and alumni about their why, their research, and how they successfully navigated their graduate journey. Today, we have a very special Veterans Day episode where we talk with operations research doctoral candidate, Russ Nelson. As you may know, North Carolina has the third largest military population in the country, as well as over 720,000 veterans who call our state home. NC State proudly welcomes our nation's veterans and military families to become part of the Wolfpack and has been ranked one of the top military-friendly universities. To talk a little bit more about Russ Nelson, he's a U.S. Army veteran whose research focuses on Army aviation air movement. He looks at that in terms of automating elements for mission planning and stochastic optimization of helicopter allocation to support on-the-ground forces. We talked with him about his military experience and how it has shaped his graduate pursuits. Let's listen in. Welcome, Russ Nelson, to this version of demystification. So really what we're trying to do here is have conversations around how people ended up in grad school and, you know, what they learned, what was good, what was bad, what lessons they learned. And so... First of all, I'd just like to know a little bit more about you. You know, I know you have an Army background, and I think, you know, that's quite a bit different than, than the vast majority of graduate students that we see, although it's not a complete anomaly. So can you just tell us a bit about, like, where you came from and, and how you ended up here? Okay, well, my name is Russ Nelson, like you said. Um, first, I'd like to say I'm, I'm a husband. So my wife and I have been married for 15 years. Uh, I've got two kids, I've got an 11-year-old and a a seven-year-old, so going into seventh, second grade and going into sixth grade, so I have a middle schooler now. Um, I graduated from the United States Military Academy in 2005, and I commissioned uh, as a second lieutenant as an aviator. So I flew Blackhawks for the first seven years of my Army career, and then I switched over to operations research systems analyst, um, so an operations research type job in the Army. Um, I went to graduate school to get a master's in applied mathematics from the Naval Postgraduate School. Um, Then I taught at the United States Military Academy, uh, Department of Mathematical Sciences for three years. Then I did another job and I applied to return to uh, West Point to teach the math department. And part of that was a uh, opportunity to attend a uh, graduate school and earn a PhD and then return. So um, that's, that's how I ended up here. Well, the military academy seems to be a magnet for you. I mean, just in terms of, you know, going there initially, and it seems like somehow it pulls you back. So what is it about that environment that you, you know, that it seems like you just can't get away from? So, so I'm going to be quite honest with you. Um, I attended West Point because it was the best place that I could go play football at. Um, And I'm very happy I did it. But I can honestly say my four years there were not that enjoyable. I mean, it's very stressful uh, as a cadet. You know, it's just it's just like nonstop working and and uh, the rules and regulations and all that. Um, but 
when I was finished with my, uh, my time as an aviator, I'd done two deployments to Iraq and one to Afghanistan. And I'm sure my wife wanted me to, to leave the army, but it was always in the back of my head. I just always had a great respect for the faculty at West Point. And I thought, man, if I had the opportunity to go uh, back and get a master's degree and then go be faculty at West Point, like that's, that's what's gonna keep me in the army. Um, and so I convinced my wife, she thought it was a somewhat good enough idea, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and that's, and that's really the truth. And it's, and when I was there from 15 to 18, uh, teaching in the math department there with, uh, 40, 50 other faculty members in the math department, um, working with them every day, working with cadets every day. It was, it was by far the most rewarding, uh, part of my career. Uh, my 17 year career. And so I, I'm, I'm eager to go back. It, it really is a great place. And, you know, you sort of alluded to this, to this already, but just pursuing it a little bit more. I mean, at what point did you know graduate school was for you? Um, I think I had a lot of illusions about <laughs> graduate school, to be quite honest. Um, the first time I went back to graduate school, to Naval Postgraduate School, it had been 10 years. Well, it had been eight years since I've graduated, but 10 years since I'd done like real math, you know, um, calculus and probably statistics. Um, and so I, I struggled for a bit, um, for sure. And while I was there, um, there were PhD students as well. And I remember every morning thinking, well, I, I'm doing okay at this master's thing. And I see these PhD students, like I, I can do it. I know I can, I can go get a PhD someday. And then by that afternoon, after being beaten down by calculus and everything, I think, but well, this is PhD isn't for me. Right. Um, and then you, you graduate from master's program and you go and you work for a bit and you see other people who have succeeded um, through PhD programs. And, and there's no doubt that there's many brilliant people, but what really got them through those programs was their hard work. And, and I knew I could uh, put my head down, work hard, um, learn, <laughs> learn how to learn again and learn how to do research, um, how to write. And that would, I, I knew I could get through a PhD program. And so how did you end up at NC State? Well, so the Army um, gave me the opportunity to go get a PhD, but they said, you have three years. And three, three years for a STEM degree is, for PhD is very tough. Right? Yeah. And I, I personally, academically, am not one of those guys that want to go trailblaze at a new school. So I started asking people who had succeeded, Army officers who had succeeded at PhD programs, and NC State was one that came up. And I actually had a, a good friend of mine that I went to Naval Postgraduate School with and taught with for a bit. He was finishing up his PhD in the operations research uh, department. And he told me about this guy, Brandon McConnell, Dr. Brandon McConnell, who um, is one of the faculty members of the operations research uh, program. And he, I met with him and after talking with him and fellow other graduates and students, I had the confidence that I would get the support here at NC State from the faculty members to help me succeed in that three-year time period. Yeah, that's a tight window. It is, for, <laughs> no for doubt. Doing, for doing a doctoral degree. No doubt. You know, let's not forget you got two kids too and, and a wife and, and a trying wife. to that's right. keep all of that together. That's, that's certainly incredible. So thinking about your time in 
graduate school so far? I mean, what have been the most important things you, you feel like you've learned? Maybe beyond just sort of the content, but I mean, for you as as a person and, and for what you think you'll apply going forward. So I, I think there's different points in a PhD that you're, you're learning different things. So that whole first year, I was taking courses. I was taking courses I'd never taken before, even though I had a applied math masters. I took linear, nonlinear programming. I took a logistics engineering and I took a stochastics course. Uh, I took an inventory and scheduling course, right? These are not courses you see in applied math program. But what was really different was when you're studying for qualifying exams, it's not just like when you study for other tests where you're, oh, I, I know this problem. Like I can, I can, I know how to do it. I go to this page and I, you know, I turn a crank and this is the answer. It's, you really have to understand the material at a more than just a, I recognize this problem type, uh, type understanding. So that was a big part was really getting in, focusing, learning the concepts at a much deeper level than I ever have for sure. So that's the first thing. Um, second part is how do you find a research topic? I kind of, um, when I was in my master's program and for my thesis, professor came up to me and said, Hey, I've got this research topic. And I said, okay, sounds good. Um, and I kind of thought that's what I was going to do here too, but that wasn't the case. And I, I ended up finding a research topic that I had experience with and, and kind of had a passion for. So that was how to find a research topic was another big piece. And then, uh, it's really from then on out, I've, I've just been struggling through it. Right. And it's, and it's kind of an individual struggle where you get to meet with your advisors uh, weekly or maybe more than weekly. And instead of, um, them telling you how to do it, you know, you go and you, and you say, Hey, I think I have this idea. And they tell you that might work here. Here's another idea that might work, but it's the, no, nobody has a solution. Right. So that's, that's another really interesting piece to it, but probably most importantly, what I've learned, um, that will help me in my professional career and my teaching career is how to communicate your problem, your strategy, and your results. So that's that's a big piece to it because when you're a PhD student, you are the subject matter expert of your problem. I mean, there's there's no one. I mean, they're they're all all my advisors are incredibly brilliant and experienced, but my problem is is my problem, and I'm the only one that's been putting the hours and hours and hours thinking about it. So communication is key. Yeah, I think that's really an important part about especially a, a doctoral program is that. By the time you're done, you are the person in that yeah. area. So, pursuing that a little bit further, what it you know, what is that project that you're working on, you know, okay. and why did it resonate with you, and and sort of what are you learning? So it's a it's a transportation problem, but it's a transportation problem that I have, in, have encountered personally. So during my second deployment to Iraq, I, so I, I flew Blackhawks, which is. Um, mainly you're, you're, you're moving people from A to B, whether that's a air assault where you're moving to an, you know, an unimproved helicopter landing zone with enemy nearby, or you're moving from, you know, a hard stand HLZ, you know, a base to a base. So one of the things that I was put in charge of was we have an air mission request where, um, units can request soldiers to be moved from point A to point B, you know, in the future. At a certain time period, maybe there's a priority listed with them. Maybe there's a uh, a specific time period, 
but it's it's a problem that I had to deal with where I would get stacks and stacks of these air mission requests and I knew what my you know my three four five six teams looked like and what their characteristics were and I had to figure out how to assign these AMRs to these helicopter teams and then optimally route them which really was more about feasibly routing can can I move all these get all these AMRs supported um in, in the best way possible and that was it was a problem whereas me and a few soldiers and a map and just our best ability right i mean we, we didn't have any technology helping with us uh, helping us out and so i contacted um people that are that i knew when i was an aviator who are still aviators and i asked them hey is is there a technology that's helping and no there isn't it's still the same way um and so i thought man that's that would really i think that that would help out the army if i could somehow come up with um, some sort of model or heuristic that could help them with that problem. And what are AMRs? Oh, excuse me, air mission requests. Okay. That's right. Sorry. No problem. I didn't say that earlier. Um, thinking a little bit more about your transition, especially to the doctoral program, what did you find the hardest? What was the most challenging for you in terms of, of making that transition? Um, well, so I, I have a, well, my whole cohort has a very unique um, experience because we started right at the peak of the pandemic. So we were all remote. I'm, I mean, we were probably all here in Raleigh somewhere, right? But I was, in, I was in my guest bedroom taking classes and the faculty members did a great job, but you're still sitting there watching the Zoom, Zoom call, you know, and it's, uh, the interactions are less. Um, you don't have a, group of other students that you immediately attach yourselves to. So that was a real, it was a real challenge. And I, um, the, the great part was some of my fellow students sent out emails at the first week and said, Hey, I'm, you know, my name is this and I'd really like to work with some other people. And I got a group of three or four other students that um, we bonded and we would get together on Sundays and struggle through different homework assignments that we were struggling with. And, um, that, that really helped out quite a bit. It would have been nice to do it in person, but sure. with technology and zoom that, that helped out tremendously. Have those things picked up. I mean, have you had more in-person interactions as, as conditions have improved? Um, so yes, there were some classes that went more hybrid and some went, um, you know, in person. Um, my course load has, has dropped down drastically since the first two semesters. So not so much, but, but, um, meeting in person for all my meetings now, which is very so that beneficial. Group has, has, has maintained itself. Oh, yes. and, and during, yeah. And during the qualifying exams, we were, we were meeting up, <laughs> I mean, twice a day to talk about the, the test that we all took in the morning the, and the practice tests we took in the afternoon, just to see what our results were and walk us through. So that's something I would recommend to anyone in graduate school or especially a PhD program, like find a good cohort, a good group of people that you can bounce ideas off of. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be a problem that you don't understand that one of them will understand better. Yeah. That's one of the things, you know, when I think about the impact of, of COVID, especially on graduate education, I think about what I call accidental learning. I mean, it was a while ago since I did my PhD, <laughs> 
but I learned at least as, I mean, I had a great advisor. I mean, and I had a great committee, great faculty members around me, but I learned so much from the other students who I interacted with. And I just feel like that has really, unfortunately been negatively impacted by COVID. And I just, I hope we get back to that accidental learning because I think it's just, it's so rich and so much happens there that you just didn't anticipate. Absolutely, for sure. And, you know, what do you think the added benefit of an NC State doctoral education is is for you? Oh, so NC State is, is certainly a world-class engineering school, there's no doubt. And so I, I appreciate that I will be able to take my degree, show up, People will have known about the, the program. I mean, maybe they don't know about the operations research program, but they certainly industrial systems engineering program is is uh, known nationwide. Um, it's it's a it's a degree that I'll be able to uh, use in my career, especially when I go back to West Point as a senior faculty member, um, and then however far I want to want to go with my army career, and then whatever I want to do afterwards, I guess, to what I actually grew up when I leave the army. <laughs> yeah. Operations research is an interesting program and in that it's one of our interdisciplinary programs. I mean, have you noticed that interdisciplinarity and, and how has, you know, how might it be different than sort of something that was just. So in one college, you know, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I, when I got an applied math uh, master's at NPS, as you're going through all the courses, I kept on thinking like, well, when are we going to actually apply this math? Right? When are we actually going to solve a problem? And that's the really neat thing about an operations research degree is you can, you can do anything with it, right? Now, I'm doing more of a traditional transportation type problem, which you would see industrial system engineering, but there are people that are doing machine, machine learning. There are people that are doing simulations. Um, one of my, friends that I was talking about earlier is doing something with uh, alternative energy and with a forestry professor, right? So it's, it's, it's really neat. The operations research, it's really a choose your own adventure type of program, no doubt. Yeah. And so how much interaction do you have with those other students, right? I mean, you certainly seem to know their projects. So, so yeah. how, so how much interaction do I, so, I mean, I, I, I meet with them and talk about, their problems. I don't know if um, we're either ever talking to each other to try to help with our problems. It's more of a learning. I'm, I'm learning about their problems and, uh, and then hopefully they learn something about mine for sure. One last question I have for you. Given where you are now and the experiences that you've had, like what would you tell your 15 year old self? Oh gosh. You know, about it, you know, what should your 15 year old self hear from you, you know, that would have maybe made life easier or made life more interesting (laughs) or just like, you know, just in terms of going through that, like what? I don't know. I I think, um, although I'm definitely not the same person I was when I was 15, I think uh, I had a real passion for being good at certain things and um i really believe that hard work is what will will help you succeed and 
although I've probably definitely cooled down since then. I, I don't know if I'd tell them anything because I think what I did in my path that I took was very good. And I don't know if I would take that same path now, but I'm certainly happy that I did then. Mm-hmm. I don't have the energy that I did when I was 15, I think is what I'm saying. I don't think many of us have the energy <laughs> we had when we were 15 or the capability to eat as much as we did when we were 15. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, Russ, I just want to thank you for taking this time with us and, and giving us your perspective on, on graduate school. And, and also thank you for the service that you've done for this country in your, in your role within the armed forces. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Demystification, a bi-weekly podcast produced by NC State's Graduate School. A special thank you to today's guest, Russ Nelson, and to our Director of Marketing and Communication, Greg Hedgepeth, for producing this show. Join us for our next episode as we talk with a current graduate student, Darian Dixon, who is in the Department of Sociology and Anthropology, and will be focusing once again on his research and why he chose to become a member of the Grad Pack.